You are now tuning in to the MPTE Clinical Files, two mock MPTE-based questions told and solved week by week. Thank you for tuning in to the MPT Clinical Files. My name is Kyle Rice, the MPT Prep Coach, the founder of the PT Hustle, and the creator of the MPT Prep Success Coaching Program. And if you would like a free cheat sheet that goes along with this specific question, tune in to the end of this episode, and I'm going to give you more information on how to get that. All right, so for our next NPT clinical file, we have our patient, Sahar. And Sahar presents with a fixed left ankle into 30 degrees of plantar flexion after elective surgery. The patient has marked left genu vanum and complaints of persistent posterior knee pain with prolonged standing. To reduce stress on the posterior structures, the therapist would most likely recommend a, all right, so we have a, a six to eight week quadriceps strengthening program, B, knee ankle foot orthosis locked into zero degrees extension, C, tennis shoes with a built up heel, and D is a spiral carbon fiber AFO. All right. So I had to slow down a little bit with that one. I'm sorry, y'all. My reading was obviously not the best. There's just too many A's at one time. It's like most likely recommend A, 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 six to eight week. Okay, all right, you get the point. Anyway, I apologize. Let's go up to the top of the question. It says, Sahar presents with a fixed left ankle into 30 degrees of plantar flexion after elective surgery. So I really need to slow up here so I can get an idea of what the heck is going on. It says fixed left ankle. That's important. I'm underlining that. Why? Because when we say fixed, we mean rigid. We mean that it doesn't move. And when we're talking about the left ankle, I'm inferring that we're talking about the talocural joint. So, you know, the talocural joint, it does what two primary motions? Follow me, y'all. What two primary motions? Plantar flexion, dorsal. Okay, plantar flexion, dorsal flexion, right? Well, it's fixed now, and so we know that it's not going to be able to do those. There's, it's rigid. Now it is locked into 30 degrees of plantar flexion. It says so. We have a rigid left ankle at 30 degrees plantar flexion after the patient's done this elective surgery. All right, that is super important for us to keep in mind as we move through the question. Now it says the patient has. Marked left genu recurvatum. So on that same leg, they have genu recurvatum, which is a lot oftentimes called back, back knee, back knee, or like a hyperextension of the knee when the patient's standing. A lot of y'all have seen it. it looks kind of like a bowing that's going on. Like if you're looking at the patient from the side, looking at the knee, it's 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 in hyperextension. It looks like a bow. All right. So the patient has left genu recurvatum and complaints of posterior knee pain with prolonged standing. Why? Let's slow up real quick. Why would our patient with genu recurvatum have posterior knee pain? All right. Well, yeah, they're putting a lot of that stress on that posterior knee, right? A lot of stress on the posterior knee structures, the capsules back there. They've got some ligament back there. Um, and so we're putting a lot of stress on that. Uh, on those tissues and that's creating the posterior knee pain makes sense now it says to reduce stress on the posterior structures again the ligaments the capsule the therapist would most likely recommend a all right and then we got our answer choices for those of you on the podcast right now i'm gonna go through these answer choices again remember 
We're looking for an answer that is going to reduce stress on the posterior structures. So A says a six to eight week quadriceps strengthening program. B says knee, ankle, foot orthosis or a CAFO locked into zero degrees extension. C says tennis shoes with a built up heel. And D says spiral carbon fiber AFO. All right, so let's knock these down. Remember, A was that six to eight week quadriceps strengthening program. All right, so that's pretty straightforward, right? I, I see why this person who made the question, I see why they would have said six to eight weeks because doesn't it take that amount of time to actually get quad strength? So that makes complete sense, all right? To actually get true quadriceps hypertrophy is what I mean. You know, that cross increased cross-sectional area, it takes about six to eight weeks. All right, cool. But is this a intervention that is actually going to reduce stress on the posterior structures? And I would say no to this. And the reason why I say no is the quadriceps, what's their muscle action? They do extension. Well, the patient's already in hyperextension, y'all, when they're standing. So why would I want to strengthen the quadriceps in this situation? Right? They're already back in that position. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I will tell you one of the reasons why people even have Jingyu Recurvatum, one of the major reasons, is because of quad weakness. So I see like a reason why you would do it. That does make sense. But in the question, in the question, it doesn't say anything about quad weakness. So I don't see why I would do quad strengthening in this situation. All right. So again, if a patient has Jingu Recurvatum, they come into you in the clinic. Yeah, there's a chance that they have weak quads and they're doing this knee hyperextension in order to get stability. I get it. But in this question, it says nothing about quad weakness. What it does say is that the patient's having some issues down there at the left ankle where it's locked into 30 degrees of plantar flexion. And that's really what it sounds like is, is creating this record bottom problem. So I'm going to go ahead and put an A or an X next to A or strike that one out. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, B says knee, ankle, foot orthosis, CAFO locked into zero degrees extension. See, you could do this. I like this answer because you could do it, lock it into zero degrees that wouldn't allow it to go any further into like a hyperextension position, um, but also it wouldn't allow it to flex either, you know, uh, when the person's ambulating. So it's kind of like, I, I think that this is overkill. Like, do we really need to do this? I mean, you could, but now you're going to create a lot of other types of problems. Now it's going to be hard for the patient to ambulate because now they got this clunky CAFO on them. They're not going to be able to bend the knee when they're ambulating when they could have done that before, right? They could have bent the knee before. So it's kind of like now you're taking away their motion that they had, but also setting them up for potential problems. CAFOs, come on, y'all. You put a CAFO on somebody, that starts to create a lot of changes around the hip, the lower back, the lumbar spine area, a lot of quick degeneration of those. Why? Because if you lock up an area, if you decrease mobility in one joint, what has to happen? All right, this is a basic principle for the APTE. If I lock up one joint, the other joints around have to move what? More. Which would cause, again, like more of that rapid degeneration of the joints around it, which be hip, uh, potentially that lower back. I don't like B. 
I'm going to go ahead and put an X next to that one. Let's look at C. C says tennis shoes with a built-up heel. Tennis shoes with a built-up heel. Okay. So I'm thinking about this patient, and I'm like, remember that we had a fixed left ankle, rigid. It's not moving, but it also is into 30 degrees of plantar flexion. All right. So we can't get any motion at the at the ankle. We can only get motion above. So what is this built-up heel going to do? First, when I start thinking about it, I don't know if you did this. Y'all have to let me know. Send me a message. Let me know if you did this, because I did. Um, when I heard built-up heel, I'm like, oh, well, that's probably going to push them into more plantar flexion. Yeah, it's going to get more plantar flexion. Here's the thing, y'all. It ain't. It is not. Why? Because the ankle is not going to move. It's fixed. So we can't say that. So if it's not going to move the ankle, what would it move? Yeah, you guess right. It's going to move the knee. It's going to move the, the joint above. And what position is it going to move it into? It's actually going to force the tibia into an anterior progression, anteriorly, which is going to flex the knee, y'all. Check that out. All right, you might need to draw that out. You might need to stop the car, get off treadmill, get your markers, draw it on the wall, draw it on a, 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 a mirror or something. Take a look at this. If you were to build up the heel, what it would do is force the tibia forward, and that would flex the knee. Is that not what I want? Don't I want to get the patient out of recurvatum, which is hyperextension? Yes, it makes sense. And you may have to draw it out for yourself in order to actually see it. But I like this answer, right? C looks good. Let's look at D. D says spiral carbon fiber AFO, also known as an ankle foot orthosis. Now, you may not know it by its name, or maybe you remember this from orthotics class. I don't know. But the spiral carbon fiber... Um, it, it can be different types of AFOs, but I'll say the one that you need to know for the MPTE that's big for this is the posterior leaf spring. Did anybody think about that? When you heard spiral carbon fiber AFO, did you think posterior leaf spring? I hope you did. All right, the posterior leaf spring is a really great orthotic or AFO when the patient is having something like drop foot. Because this thing stores energy when the person's in stance. And as the person's like getting that foot off the ground, going in a swing, it springs into action and helps with that, that drop foot. Helps to bring the foot up into more dorsiflexion or towards dorsiflexion and help them to clear the foot. It's what the primary use is. Now, my question to you is, is that something you believe that this patient should be using? Do they need help with dorsiflexion? Yes or no? You might be saying, yeah, yeah, Kyle, actually they kind of do because they're fixed into 30 degrees of plantar flexion. Well, yeah, you're true. That is true. That's true. But we ain't moving it with no AFO. It's not going to change. So the spiral carbon fiber AFO in this situation, it's not really going to help us. It's not going to help with that recurvatum. It's not going to help with any dorsiflexion. It's just not going to help. All right, not effective for reducing stress on those posterior structures. And that's exactly what we wanted to do. All right, that leaves us with our final answer. Tough one. Ooh, this was tough. Our final answer of C, tennis shoes with a built-up heel. If you got this question correct, first of all, I want to congratulate the heck out of you. It's lower extremity bomb mechanics. You're even thinking about it from possibly a gate situation. Very, very tough. Now, if you want to understand this stuff better, I, I would recommend that you understand the deformities, the conditions better. 
And what I mean by that is understand genuricovatum, what it is, what causes it, what are the treatments that can be used to make it better. Same thing with things like genuvalgum, genuverum, what causes it, what is that? What can I do to make those situations better? Because you know with genuvalgum and genuverum, you can have pain on different sides of the knee, right? Medial, lateral, all that stuff. Well, how can I make that situation better? You know, if I'm not going to use surgery or some type of, you know, radical thing like that, how could I, as a physical therapist, make their condition better or at least decrease their level of pain? Those are the questions that you need to be able to answer for the MPTE. All right. So I'm just giving you a little picture of the, some of the things that you want to think about over the next few weeks as you prepare for the exam. Is that cool? All right. But I never want to leave you with that. Those of you who are on the podcast right now, you may be saying, yes, I need help in this department. I have a cheat sheet for you. That's literally going to answer all of what I just said. Recovatum, valgum, varus, what they are, what causes them, what is the major treatments that you need to know for the MPTE, the secondary complications, all of that is for you. I did all the hard work for you. So go into the show notes and click the link in there, but do not forget that we also have a cheat sheet drive that has all the cheat sheets I've ever done so you can go in there and get that as well. I want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of the MPT Clinical Files. My name is Kyle Rice, the MPT Prep Coach, and as always, keep learning, stay committed. I'll see you on the next one. This episode of the NPT Clinical Files is brought to you by the NPTE Test Strategy Playbook. If you are constantly getting down to the final two answers but always seem to select the wrong one, visit DestroyTheNPTE.com to learn how to get down to the final answer fast.